Welcome to your podcast for college Catholics. I am your host, Father Patrick Wainwright. In today's episode, we will speak about some general aspects and uh, some of the main mysteries of the life of Christ as it is presented in the Gospels. In speaking about the main general aspects of his life, of our Lord's life, I will try to highlight how Jesus had a clear mission given by God the Father, how he came to save us from all sin, how he established the Catholic Church and taught us all the truths that are necessary for us to obtain salvation. But also we will speak briefly about how once our Lord ascended into heaven, that mission was not over and he passed on that mission to the church and therefore to you and to me. In 2018, I was offered the opportunity to preach a silent retreat for a group of English-speaking Franciscans from the custody of the Holy Land. The custody of the Holy Land is a province within the Franciscan religious order that covers all the holy places in the general area of Palestine, where our Lord was born, raised, lived, preached, and died, and then rose from the dead. The truth is that there had been another priest scheduled to go, and that priest had to cancel for uh, other reasons. So they asked our religious order if uh, we could fill in, and my superiors asked me if I would like to go, as I had never been before to the Holy Land. So uh, while this would not be a primarily touristic visit, I would have a day or two to visit the holy places, places made holy, right, by the presence of the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, and His Most Blessed Mother. It was a seven-day retreat, and I had to speak to the Franciscan priest who was in charge of that retreat to ask him if I could go a couple of days before the retreat and maybe stay one day after the retreat so that I could uh, visit some of the holy places. And he agreed, and therefore uh, they decided to host me in the convent of the Franciscans within the old city of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is our large city. It has a newer modern area area of the city. And then there's the old city that is enclosed within a large wall, let's say, as a castle, so to speak, right? Um, so the days before the retreat and after the retreat, I would stay at that convent uh, to visit the holy places. So um, I was able to stay in the city of Jerusalem, the old city of Jerusalem, and visit the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. This is a medieval church that it has within the same building the site where Jesus Christ was crucified and the place where he was buried and rose from the dead. In that specific place, you can pray inside the very same tomb where Jesus was buried and rose, from, rose to life again. You can even see some places, in some areas, small areas, you can see the original rock of the tomb of Jesus. So you can be in contact and see the stone that was witness to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I had the very, very unique grace. I think one priest told me it's a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity, actually. Uh, the very unique grace to celebrate Mass, the Holy Mass, both in the place where Jesus was crucified at the top of Mount Calvary and in the place where Jesus rose from the dead inside the tomb of our Lord. 
in those days before the retreat and after the retreat, I was also able to visit uh, the place where Jesus ascended into heaven, where he instituted the Holy Eucharist, the Garden of Gethsemane, when he suffered the agony and sweat blood, and the place where the Holy Spirit came upon the Virgin Mary and the apostles. Now, the retreat itself that I was preaching uh, was held in a location called Ain Kerem, that is a town, the town where the Virgin Mary, when she was pregnant with Jesus Christ, visited St. Elizabeth, and where uh, Jesus, from being in the womb of the Virgin Mary, sanctified St. John the Baptist, who was in the womb of St. Elizabeth. So because the retreat was very close and blocks away of that place, I was able to visit this basilica that is now built, called the Basilica of the Visitation, where the Virgin Mary visited St. Elizabeth. So I was able to walk in streets that most probably the Virgin Mary also walked, or at least the areas that she saw, and that is just an amazing thing, right? So I had a, during those seven day, that seven-day retreat, I was able to go uh, several times to the Basilica of the Visitation and there um, venerate the place where Jesus sanctified St. John the Baptist, where the Virgin Mary lived, and where St. Elizabeth lived for those days. After the retreat, I stayed an entire day in the Holy Land, um, during which I visited Nazareth, which is the place where Jesus became incarnate in the womb of the Virgin Mary. There's the Basilica of the Annunciation, where the angel Gabriel appeared to, Saint, to the Virgin Mary and told her she would be the mother of the Messiah and where the Word of God became flesh. And there's a spot there in a little, in a grotto that says here in Latin, right? here the Word became flesh. And I was also able to visit Bethlehem. It was a quick visit, visit, but I was able to visit Bethlehem. There's also a basilica there, in the place where Jesus was actually born, as it was prophesied by the prophet Micah. In the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, least among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me. One who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient times. So, what an amazing thing um, to be able to visit all these holy places, right? And what is most amazing of all that general region is that it brings to life and makes real the fact that Jesus Christ lived on this earth in a particular place, in particular towns, that he walked along specific roads that he sailed in the Sea of Galilee, that he was crucified, buried, and rose in a specific spot. And most of all those places, you can see them when you visit the area, right? You can see them, visit them, touch them, be there where Jesus was, where Jesus walked, and where Jesus lived. So there are many anecdotes and historical facts that I could tell you about all these amazing visits and places. But one that... um, uh, I would like to tell you, because if I told you everything, right, it would take uh, more than an hour. So this episode, I want to keep it to 20 minutes. So um, that we'll have to wait for another day. However, I would share with you one thing that I think might be most useful to you. From the time of the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of the Lord, which happened around the year 33 AD, these sacred places obviously became increasingly venerated and visited by the Christian community, by the disciples, the apostles, etc., However, because of a Jewish revolt that happened around or before the year 70 AD, which led to the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem, and another Jewish revolt 
in the year 132 AD, the emperor at the time, Hadrian, decided to destroy all those sacred places so as to obliterate the memory of the sacred events that uh, these places brought to mind in the, in the Christian faithful, right? So he leveled the city and built a new one, shifting the streets and changed its name from Jerusalem to Aelia Capitolina. As a further deterrent against the Judeo-Christian religion that was increasingly growing, he built a statue of Jupiter on the place of the resurrection of Christ, which is the Holy Sepulchre, right? The tomb where Jesus Christ was buried. He put a statue of Jupiter on top of it, and also a statue of Venus on the place where the cross of Christ had been planted, on the top of Mount Calvary. So now, um, what is interesting is because of the shifting of the city, those locations of uh, the burial, the crucifixion and the burial of Christ remained more or less now in the center of the city. Before they were outside of the city, and now you visit the old city of Jerusalem, they're like in the middle of, of the city, which is very interesting uh, how that happened, right? Now, moreover, uh, while the Christians could no longer venerate the sacred place of the crucifixion and the burial of Christ because of these um, mausoleums and uh, these uh, temples put it there, in honor of Jupiter and, and Venus, uh, the situation is that um, inadvertently the Romans labeled and tagged, if you want, those specific locations. While their intention was to obliterate the memory of them, the Christians knew that where the statue of Venus is placed, right? That was where Jesus had been crucified. And where the statue of Jupiter is, that's where Jesus was buried and rose from the dead. So inadvertently, the Romans actually helped as a witness of those specific places um, that where, where Jesus died and rose from the dead. So this situation of the uh, statue of Jupiter and Venus lasted from around the year 130 AD to the year 325 AD, when by permission of the emperor Constantine, the sacred places were finally excavated and uh, the original rock of the tomb and the crucifixion mount, let's say, were found. So as St. Jerome wrote in the year 395 AD, he says, from the time of Hadrian to the reign of Constantine, a period of about 180 years, a statue of Jupiter stood on the site of the resurrection, while a marble statue of Venus was placed by the pagans on the rock of the cross and became an object of worship. The authors of this persecution thought that by defiling the holy places with idols, they could take away the faith in the resurrection and in the cross. Up to there, St. Jerome. So, uh, thanks be to God, uh, Constantine allowed the, um, the, let's say, the archaeological, if you want, um, excavations that found the Mount of Calvary and the, the place of the tomb of Jesus Christ. And there was a church built in all that area. Uh, so the churches that were subsequent, that were built by Constantine, unfortunately were destroyed several times. They underwent many fires, earthquakes as well intentional destructions by persecutors, right? And also reconstructions. But the holy sites are still there today with the amazing Church of the Holy Sepulchre in the old city of Jerusalem built on top of those two places, right? So 
today, if you visit the, Holy Church, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the site of the tomb of Christ and the site of the crucifixion of Christ are all enclosed within the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. So I had the awe-inspiring grace to celebrate the Holy Mass at the same place of the burial and the resurrection of the Lord and at the place of the crucifixion on top of Mount Calvary. And that is a huge grace for me and for, for everyone. The one thing that I would like to transmit to you right now, however, is that the, these truths and these uh, historical places give us the certainty that all those places are real. You know, to visit them, you see these are real places. And that the person whom we call Jesus lived in, a, in those real places. And he is real. It is not an invention of a religious group. It is not an invention of some religious fanatics who would want to control the people or alienate mankind, right, from its obligation to develop the world, as Karl Marx would say. On the contrary, Jesus Christ is real, very real. And he was born of the Virgin. He's a historical figure. He lived in the household of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth, and we can visit those places. He was of age and began preaching and performing miracles throughout Galilee, and then finally went to Jerusalem, where he was persecuted and justly condemned to death, and crucified by Pontius Pilate, a Roman procurator of whom we have a historical evidence that he existed and is in historical documents. And this man, Pontius Pilate, was sure of the innocent of Jesus Christ, but gave in to pressure. So a summary of all the mysteries of the life of Christ can be found in the mysteries of the Holy Rosary. Right? So when we pray the Holy Rosary, there we have a presentation of 20 mysteries, all of which summarize the life, of Jesus, the, the, life the birth, life, and death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, and also the Virgin Mary. Right? Um, so there you have the mysteries of the infancy, the mysteries of his public life, the mystery of his passion and death, and the mysteries of his resurrection. And it is important then to pray frequently this Holy Rosary to be more acquainted with the mysteries of the life of Christ and meditate on them and think about them. Because maybe one day you will visit those places and you will be able to remember, oh, this is where this happened and that's where that happened and so forth. And you have all these mysteries fresh in your mind and in your faith. So now there are some general aspects of the life of Christ in this world that I would like to highlight. I, can't, I would like to talk about all these mysteries specifically, but I'd rather talk about them in a general way, right? So just to uh, take some general aspects of the life of Christ that are applicable or helpful to us. First of all, that Jesus Christ, I'd like to mention that Jesus Christ had a clear mission. He came to this world to save man from sin. He came to redeem us and to grant us eternal salvation, right? So, so through his death on the cross, he becomes like a bridge between God and man. That's why we call him the supreme pontiff. Pontiff means the, like the one who is a bridge, right? And he brings salvation to man and union between God and man. And that's what, this is what the virtue of religion is about, to reunite God and man. This is what Jesus had to do. And this was his mission. But he also came to reveal to us all the truths about God that are necessary for our salvation. And this is the second aspect, general aspect of his life. He came to reveal to us the truths about God necessary for our salvation. So he brought the revelation of God 
to its fullness and its completion. After him, after Jesus Christ, we should not expect any further public revelation from God until the end of times. A third aspect of the life of Christ is that he clearly stated and preached that he is God. Jesus Christ is God. And he stated it, he taught it clearly, that he existed from all eternity, that he has complete power over the things of this world and power over the evil one, the devil. Right? So Jesus Christ clearly taught this throughout his life. So we, when we say we believe in Jesus, we should also believe that he is God. In that sense, we also know or we see from the life of Christ that he entered into a battle against Satan and defeated him. That battle started from the very beginning in his life when Joseph and Mary, Mary the Virgin Mary, who was pregnant at the time, uh, went to Bethlehem and were rejected from the inn at Bethlehem. There was no place for them in the inn, says the Gospel of St. Luke. So that battle that started at the beginning of, his, uh, uh, beginning of his life continued through his public life, as we see in the temptations of Jesus in the desert in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. This battle reached its height during the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus sweat blood and reached its culmination with the death of Jesus on the cross. A fact that seemed to have been a victory of Satan, if you look at it from the outside, but in reality was the defeat of Satan and his destruction. Now there's another aspect, number five if you want, a fifth aspect of the life of Christ that I'd like to uh, highlight. And that is that during his lifetime, Jesus Christ established a church, his church, the Catholic Church, to continue his mission throughout the history of the world, establishing the seven sacraments as real and effective channels of his grace. So Jesus established the seven sacraments through which we could effectively receive the grace of God that flows from the cross through the sacraments to each one of us. So it's a help and necessary, a necessary help to be saved and to obtain salvation. And all this he gave to us through the Catholic Church that continues the mission of Christ in the world, right? So finally, and connected to this last one, um, a sixth aspect of the life of Christ, and this has great importance for you and for me, is that Jesus calls all men to follow him, to be members of the, of the Catholic Church, and to share in his mission of bringing salvation to all other people. Jesus wants everyone to be saved. Right, as St. Paul says to, in the first letter to St. Timothy, chapter 2, verse 4, God wills everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And to do, the, to do this, he establishes a church, and to do this, he also calls you, he invites you to be his apostles, his disciple, his co-worker, to spread the truth of the gospel and to bring salvation to all men. So this is all what our Lord did throughout his lifetime, and he did it for you and for me. So the question is, are you willing to respond generously to that call of Christ the King, Christ our Lord, to bring the truth and salvation to the whole world? So I highly encourage you, right, to be generous in the service of Christ. I encourage you to follow Christ, to do his will in this world, to embrace his mission in your life 
so as to be a channel of grace in this world together with our Lord Jesus Christ in his church, in the Catholic Church. And also let us learn to meditate more frequently on the mysteries of the life of Christ. You can find these mysteries in the Gospels, which I encourage you to read. However, if you want something more developed or explained, right, there's a very good book written by Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who is in the process of canonization, called The Life of Christ. And I will leave a link to that book, where to buy that book, in the show notes below. That book will help you understand a bit more in depth the amazing mysteries of the life of Christ. And being more aware of the reality of the life of Christ will help you to face your daily life, to face your, the difficulties of your daily life, the challenges that we have. Because we have the knowledge that we are not alone in this world because God is with you. God is with you, accompanying you in Jesus Christ. He became man in everything except for sin. He became one like you. He knows exactly what you have to go through day in and day out because he lived through similar things, even tougher situations than the one you have to suffer. So you can always bring to mind the thought that Jesus also suffered this or that, that God also went through these difficulties, that he knows what I'm suffering. So you can pray to him with confidence. He who was a child, who had to learn a trade, who worked with his hands, who was persecuted and rejected, will no doubt help you with his grace, especially if you pray to him with fervor and stay close to him throughout your entire life. So make sure you turn to Jesus more frequently, meditate on his life, think on these general principles that we talked about today, and make him your friend, your brother, your, your role model, right? Your, your hero, as we said in the past uh, episode so that his mission may also be your mission in this life. So if you have any questions about the Catholic faith or your spiritual life, please do send me an email at info at fourcollegecatholics.org. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you, whether you have any feedback or you want, to answer, uh, or you want me to answer any of your questions. If you write, please tell me in what year in college you are and what state you live. May our Lord bless you abundantly and we'll see you in our next episode for College Catholics.